Today on the Everything 80s Podcast, was there a real-life Indiana Jones? there what's happening welcome back to the everything 80s podcast i'm jamie thanks for coming on out today he's one of the greatest action adventure heroes in film history but was there a real life indiana jones that's what we're going to look at today spoiler alert there are three specific possibilities i have my idea who it might be you'll have to decide by the end of this episode which will also include looking at the entire Indiana Jones franchise, how it came to be, and a look at the um, original three movies and the impact it had, and then a breakdown of who this real Indiana Jones might be. But before we start, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. I should be there. All the cool kids are doing it. Okay, here we go. So it's amazing to me that Harrison Ford was able to play multiple iconic characters and and still have them be... um, sort of different from each other. I mean, he's kind of playing the same sort of genre style guy, but still makes each one distinct, you know, to play one legendary screen role is enough to not only be Han Solo, but also Indiana Jones is nothing short of amazing. Harrison Ford is able to still give them their own identity and you feel like you are watching two distinct characters, despite them having some similar traits. So before we look at that real life inspiration, um, let's just look at what, what got this iconic trilogy up and running. So here's the early days. And going back to Star Wars, part of what made Star Wars the epic movie it was is because it borrowed from those earlier tropes of Saturday morning serials. As unique, you know, like Buck Rogers and things like that, as unique as Star Wars was, it did borrow from a lot of those things like Buck Rogers and those Saturday matinee serials that were produced by uh, studios like Republic and Columbia. And George Lucas and Steven Spielberg grew up on these styles of films. They were all about action, adventure. They were always left, you know, with a cliffhanger each week. That same approach was carried over to Star Wars. And along with using classic storytelling, uh, storytelling such as Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey, it allowed their stories to be accessible to the masses because these are um, tried and true stories that have always resonated with people. This goes to show how much influence goes into anything creative. <clears throat> Pretty much all film, television, and music has some form of inspiration behind it. The creators of any art form always have their influences that brought them into the art form, and you see this reflected in the art that they make. Not only did George Lucas use those old Saturday morning matinee serials as an influence on Star Wars, he had another idea that would also mimic this style. Whereas Star Wars works as an epic space opera of sorts, he also wanted to create a straight-up throwback 1930s-style action-adventure with a standalone main character. That, of course, would be Indiana Jones, and he had plans for this as far back as 1976 while Star Wars was being made. So let's first look at Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the film that started it all. It's crazy to think this movie came out way back in 1981. Raiders of the Lost Ark was the perfect action-adventure movie that featured the iconic hero, Nazis, 
um, the violence, not over the top violence, but enough of that action adventure style violence. It had biblical mythology all wrapped together. Some of the special effects obviously don't hold up today, but they were there to serve the story. And for that reason, I think they still work well. An interesting thing with Raiders of the Lost Ark was that Harrison Ford was never the first choice to play Indiana Jones. They were going to go with Tom Selleck, which I could definitely see working. But then some schedule issues came up that led Selleck to that other 80s classic, Magnum P.I. Lucas said that he was never thinking about Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones because as great as he, um, he'd he be as Indiana Jones, he was just too much identified with Han Solo. Spielberg, Spielberg had loved the work he had been seeing on early footages of Star Wars, and he thought that this is the guy to bring the character of Indiana Jones to life. A lot of the character of Indiana was already written on the page, but Harrison Ford took it to a better level than they were expecting. George Lucas states in various interviews that Raiders of the Lost Ark came together as smoothly as a movie could and that it's the most fun he's ever had making a movie. It all started with the script written by Lawrence Kasdan who wrote The Empire Strikes Back which I think is the greatest of all the Star Wars movies. Not much was really altered from script to final product, which led to the smoothness of the filming. Another aspect of this was because of Steven Spielberg himself. Spielberg was notorious for going over budget and over time with his shooting schedules, and movies like Jaws took an extra 100 days over what was planned. With Raiders of the Lost Ark, he made it a point to stay on track to prove to himself and George Lucas that he could do it. They finished about 12 days earlier than expected, and this led to very little wasted shots and time. This gives the movie a great energy and, and great pacing, as because there's no time wasted or um, anything like that, there was no second-guessing setups and shots. They were moving, keeping sort of that frenetic energy. Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, was beyond a massive hit. It made an astonishing $385 million, which converted for today is over a billion dollars. And remember, films opened on way fewer screens back then. It was a critical and commercial hit, and when adjusted for inflation, remains one of the highest grossing movies ever. Okay, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And I've done some movie reviews of all of these, which go a little more in depth in the sort of back catalog if you want to journey back and check those out and so of course indiana jones is a hot property at this point but things take kind of a messy turn going into the inevitable sequel this this is my least favorite of the trilogy and i just find it kind of rushed the acting is not great even the editing seems a little too harsh and abrupt the middle third of the movie doesn't hold up but i think it has a good ending to it but i have to say that that minecart roller coaster scene is still astonishing even to this day and considering this came out in 1984 the technical innovations were quite well advanced from where they were in 1981 and i think like this sort of shot really holds up a lot of the issues with this movie tend to come down to what was going on in real life with george lucas and steven spielberg both were going through some real harsh life changes and this to me and to a lot of people is reflected in the product on the screen and then that has to do with all the violence in this movie and this is where it gets interesting Raiders of the Lost Ark was no Sunday picnic, and a lot of people complained about the amount of violence and gore in a PG-rated movie. This was nothing compared to the Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones, of course, had a massive kids' audience, and parents were horrified at what they saw on the screen with the Temple of Doom. 
A lot of this violence and darkness was, again, a reflection of the darkness going on in the lives of Lucas and Spielberg. And this would actually change movies forever. Due to the traumatizing images of a PG movie, the Temple of Doom would be um, responsible for ushering in a new era of film. This would be the PG-13 rating. This new rating would end up being the most profitable in history as directors could now push the boundaries and families would know what the intended audience now was. Fun fact, the first movie to use the PG-13 rating after the Temple of Doom was, answer is Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze. And I've done a whole episode on the PG-13 rating, which I find pretty interesting, but um, we can thank the Temple of Doom for that. So the things, things have gone a little off track with the Indiana Jones franchise, but the third installment would erase all that uncertainty and take the franchise to a whole new level. That is, of course, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Not only is this the best film in the franchise. It's one of the best films of all time. And dare I say, the perfect movie. It again has all those elements that make for timeless entertainment. There's mystery, suspense, action, adventure, comedy, Nazis, more biblical mythology. What makes a movie like Indian Jones and the Last Crusade so great is that it's all these different movies in one. And that's usually what makes for a timeless classic. Um, I've also talked about this with Back to the Future where, you know, some movies are great as just an action movie or a science fiction movie or a comedy or a rom- whatever. Back to the Future has all those in one shot. Same thing with The Last Crusade. It's pure Indiana Jones with, you know, the action and the adventure and the quest for the Holy Grail, another timeless story. It brings in Sean Connery, who seamlessly enters into the franchise and expands that world of Indiana Jones. If you haven't seen this movie in a while, please check it out again. Again, it really does feel timeless and it still feels kind of fresh considering it's more than 30 years old at this point. It feels like it was made yesterday and it could have been released in any era of film and held up. It just has such a breathless pace and energy to it, and it basically never stops moving from the absolute beginning over the course of 128 minutes. Everything about this movie is great. Audiences and critics ate it up. It grossed around $474 million, which converted for today, again, brings in it close to that $1 billion mark. So for the time being, Indiana Jones ended on the perfect note, and this... (laughs) You'll see where this is going with another thing, but let's look into some more public interest, and that is Indiana Jones and the spike in archaeology. So National Geographic put out an interesting article about the fact that the success and popularity of the Indiana Jones movies led to a spike in archaeology courses and careers in the field. Whether it was the swashbuckling hero aspect or just the interest of ancient things, there was a much greater interest in archaeology right from the start. National Geographic had put on exhibitions that were inspired by the movies. In 2015, they put on Indiana Jones and the Adventure of Archaeology. And this exhibition showcases memorabilia from the movie, along with ancient objects and historical artifacts. The curators of these events noted how the movies have broadened the scope of archaeology and made it more relevant and exciting to people everywhere. Since 1981, more and more people have been enrolled in archaeology programs around the world, whether it was hoping that they would become a real-life Indiana Jones or just open their minds up to more of the world. These movies helped to do this until the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came along. And I'm not even going to get into that because I did a whole movie review on that thing and had to sit through it again. And I was, I don't know, depending on what you think about it, I, I hadn't seen it since it first came out in theaters. And I was thinking 
maybe it's not as bad as I remember. And it starts off and I was like, this is actually all right. And then around the halfway point, it just, the wheels fall off and I could barely sit through the thing. Apologies if you love it, but whatever. So, okay, forget all that. Who was the real life Indiana Jones? So there's, as I mentioned before, there's not one person that was a direct inspiration for the character, but several that may have been. And it might have been a combination of these various individuals, plus the interpretation of the character by Harrison Ford, and that shaped the Indiana Jones we saw on the big screen. But these real-life Indiana Joneses did possess the traits that inspired the character and drove the tone of the films. These people were often off on exotic exploits to find historical artifacts from around the world. They were genuinely looking for things like lost cities. They were discovering real-life treasures. They were deciphering hieroglyphics. But who were the real-life archaeologists that George Lucas took inspiration from? Here are the three main ones that we can look at. And I'd recommend, if you want to see pictures of these guys and some more other stuff, if you go to the show notes of the blog version of this, it's everything80spodcast.com slash Jones, or wherever you're listening, there should be a link to take you there just if you want to see some more of this. Okay, our first entry is Hiram Bingham. And he was born in 1875, was a politician, but also an explorer. He was not a trained archaeologist, but still investigated anything to do with artifacts, history, and lost cities. Bingham was the man who first discovered Machu Picchu, which is now one of the most famous sites on Earth. He had a passion for lost cities and constantly trekked around South America looking for lost Inca cities. Bingham worked alongside the National Geographic Society that helped to fund his quests of discovery. He would end up discovering the lost city of Vita, uh, what's it? Vilcabamba, which he thought he had found when he first discovered Machu Picchu. He would later end up finding Vilcabamab, which I'm butchering. That was another famous lost city. On this big trek to Peru in the early 1900s, Bingham collected an astonishing 40,000 artifacts made up of mummies, exotic animals, ceramics, antiquities, and even human skeletal remains. He wrote the very popular book, The Lost City of the Incas, and it's this lost city side to him that would have some of the influence in the creation of the Indiana Jones character. A few of the specific influences, and you'd have to check out the pictures here, would be the same fedora hat worn by both Bingham and Indiana Jones. And some of the situations would specifically influence Raiders of the Lost Ark that they took from his real life. So the ruggedness of Bingham and the adventure side seem to be two of the biggest traits um, that were written into Indiana Jones. And, you know, he may be the number one guy if we're looking for direct influence. But now we got number two, and this is Roy Chapman Andrews. And uh, do a, depending on what you're on, if you're on your phone or a tablet or whatever, do a Google image search for Roy Chapman Andrews. And, you know, tell me it's not Indiana Jones you're looking at, depending on what images you get of him. But if you go to the show notes, you'll see a good shot I have. He has all the makings of that swashbuckling archaeologist and just looks like Harrison Ford. He came from Wisconsin and was born in 1884. In 1906, he hopped on a train that was heading to New York City. When he got there, he went straight to the American Museum of Natural History. Side note, I don't know where you live or if you ever get a chance to visit the Museum of Natural History in New York, make sure you do. It's an astonishing place. Um, But give yourself a lot of time and 
all that. There, there's so much to see there, but it, it's I've been there many times. It's mind blowing. So for Roy Chapman Andrews, it was his dream to work in this place, but there was no room for him. He ended up taking a job cleaning floors just as a way to get his foot in the door. But that worked, and he slowly became responsible for more operations in the museum. This ended up with him finally getting out in the field to do some real work. He found himself out in Asia and would constantly find himself cheating death and and hanging on by his like fingernails on cliffs and all that real sort of stuff. He was put into so many precarious situations doing his archaeology work that it's honestly a miracle this guy survived. So some of the some of the tales of this guy are having uh their boat rammed by a charging whale, almost drowning in a typhoon twice nearly being eaten by wild dogs. He was almost killed by bandits. He's fallen off cliffs and in one of the most Indiana Jones situations possible, he was nearly caught and devoured by a giant python. So Andrews's big moment would come in the Gobi Desert, and deserts have always been synonymous with Indiana Jones. In the 1920s, Andrews would end up finding many dinosaur fossils which were taking the world by storm. He found some of the very first dinosaur eggs in existence, and this heightened him to the levels of archaeology superstar. If you go to RoyChapmanAndrewsSociety.org, you can see even more. I got links for that in the show notes. Um, if you just want to see more about this guy's adventures, it was pretty crazy. And this was his hallmark. As he said, um, there's, there's always an adventure just around the corner. That's what he lived by. Part of what makes him the real-life Indiana Jones is how he explored all corners of the globe. Just as Indiana's pursuits took him from country to country, Chapman exclaimed how he wanted to go everywhere. He said, quote, I would have started on a day's notice for the North Pole or South Pole. It made not the slightest difference to me, unquote. It would be this fearlessness and sense of adventure that made him one of the perfect direct inspirations for what would become Indiana Jones. One of the amazing things about these real life examples and the fictional character is how they were doing all this exploring with pretty primitive means. If you think back to these times, air travel was not really a thing and not common. Even the car wasn't readily available during some of these periods. They were going to some of the most remote places on earth that even today are barely accessible. It's amazing to think what these guys did just with that call of adventure, which again is at the heart of Indiana Jones. And our third entry, Sir Leonard Woolley, spelled W-O-O-L-L-E-Y. Woolley was a British archaeologist born in London in 1880. He may have been responsible for the biblical mythology aspects of Indiana Jones. Woolley explored the Sudan region with real-life Lawrence of Arabia, T.E. Lawrence. Woolley was, a, was big into finding lost and ancient cities and would help to discover the Hittite city in Syria along with the ancient Sumerian city of Ur. He was also big um, in ex- excavations and a lot of the discoveries of ancient Egypt. One big discovery of his was royal Egyptian tombs dating back almost 3,000 years. He discovered more about ancient cities in Mesopotamia, along with locations in Turkey, than almost anyone. He also investigated evidence of a global flood, harkening back to the days of Noah. His interest in these biblical accounts may have been the inspiration for Indiana Jones' um, certain premises, including the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy Grail. Information uh, saw here from the Penn Museum makes note of Woolley's desire for the preservation of treasures, just like our boy Indiana, with this belongs in a museum. 
What makes Woolley a lot like a real-life Indiana Jones is that he was considered one of the best archaeologists ever, and he just seemed to have a sense for finding the right sites and locations, and he could just outsmart everyone. He studied at Oxford, but then traveled to Germany and France in order to learn the languages which would help him in his archaeological pursuits. He served during the First World War and even ended up in a Turkish prison. His work in India seemed to influence the Temple of Doom, and he would even end up as an elite lecturer and author. A big inspiration for the character of Indiana Jones from Woolley seems to be the charm side of him. This was a noted trait of his, and he was easily able to win over many people. His presence was also significant due to his sense of humor and his overall ingenuity, the perfect traits that would make up a swashbuckling big screen hero. So which one is the real-life Indiana Jones? Well, we can obviously see that the real-life Indiana is a combination of these three with some other influences as well. These are some of the main things and characteristics on paper, but again, it's important to note that, in, that Harrison Ford did elevate the character with his performance and his interpretation of it. I have to say personally from looking through this more and researching that I see most of Indiana Jones specifically character-wise in Sir Leonard Woolley. But then if you're looking at the adventure side, there seems to be a bit more Roy Chapman Andrews. But here's something interesting. National Geographic has mentioned that the costume designer on Raiders of the Lost Ark has gone on record saying that they drew inspiration for Indiana's costume from the movie Secret of the Incas. That movie starred Charlton Heston and came out in 1953. Heston plays a treasure hunter looking for Inca treasures in Peru, and the movie was based on articles about Hiram Bingham's adventures. Indiana Jones costumes look just like the one out of this movie, and the technical advisor on it was a friend of Bingham's named Albert Gesicki, I hope that's right, who helped Bingham on his explorations. So that's the thing. Is it all three? It's looking more like it's Hiram Bingham now, who is the actual real-life Indiana Jones. But the main thing is when you combine all these people all these attributes with Harrison Ford, with George Lucas, and the direction of Steven Spielberg, you've got one of the greatest movie characters of all time. So I think I'll finish it there. Hopefully you found that interesting. You might have known some of this. This might all be new to you. Um, again, ch check out the show notes if you want to learn more about this or look up some of these characters and see. There, some of these books and stories are absolutely incredible. And then again, go back and watch the movies if it's been a while. Um, or sit through Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, see if you can do it. I had to watch it in two parts. That's how bad I found it. And again, my apologies if, if you love this movie. So I'll finish just with one last little bit about ways to support small shows like this. And it's kind of tougher to stand out in the podcast world these days with huge, you know, celebrity podcasts, corporation park podcasts, giant podcast networks. So independent shows like this rely on platforms like patreon.com. And that's a way where you can support the show kind of like a mini sort of fundraiser thing where, you know, you can give a few bucks a month and it helps to basically keep the lights on over here. But the whole point of patreon.com is that you get different rewards for the different sort of sponsorship you do. So say at the Boba Fett level, that's where we get the everything 80s um, podcast movie review where I look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of 1980s movies. And then at different tiers, there's different rewards. And 
I, I sponsor a couple different podcasts that are smaller independent ones just because I love what they're doing. If you're interested in just seeing more about that, you can go to patreon.com slash 80. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 80S. Or again, wherever you're listening on whatever app, there should be a link that should take you there. But that's it for me. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show. Like I was just saying, there's so many shows out there now, which is good. But the fact you're taking your time to listen to this one means a lot. So that's it. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.